0: My son was the first person to die in combat under Donald Trump. Just five days into his presidency, Trump ordered Ryan's SEAL team into Yemen. Not from the Situation Room with all the intelligence assembled, but sitting across a dinner table from Steve Bannon. There was no vital interest at play, just Donald Trump playing big man going to war.
1: And when it went horribly wrong, When you lose a $75 million airplane and, more importantly, American life is lost and wounded, I don't believe that you can call it a success.
0: Donald Trump demeaned my son's sacrifice to play to the crowd. For nearly four years, Trump has assailed our country's core values. When Russia put bounties on our troops' heads, Trump defended Putin instead of our military. I think it's a hoax. He kneecapped the Postal Service to undermine our right to vote. This election will be the most rigged election in history. He's misled us throughout the pandemic. Yeah, no, I don't take responsibility at all. 200,000 Americans will have died before we vote. They and Ryan have one thing in common. It didn't have to be but for Donald Trump. If you hear one thing, let it be this. Don't trust Donald Trump with your kid's life or your own. Good
2: advice. Thank you, Republican voters for Biden.
3: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck that in the middle with you.
2: I am. Yes, I'm stuck. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's W.A.D.R. and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950-KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, verdant square radio and detour talk blanketing planet earth five days a week i'm brad friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com if you are within the sound of my voice congratulations You made it through two weeks of the strangest political conventions this nation has seen, well, at least in a very long time, perhaps ever. But that part is largely all over now, except for our analysis today as we move into the next phase of our long national nightmare, the general campaign season and the debate season and all the dirty tricks and October surprises that are almost certain to come perhaps in pretty rapid fire over the next 67 days until November 3rd. But who's counting? We will be joined momentarily by our smart team of insightful progressive journalists to try and make sense of what we've all witnessed over the past week of the Republican National Convention, which expanded on the Democrats two hours a night by going to two and a half hours a night and then extending that By another half hour or so, at least when Donald Trump spoke to a thousand or two supporters jammed together, shoulder to shoulder, maskless in a super spreader event held unlawfully on the White House lawn. Yes, at the People's House, which Donald Trump proudly grabbed for his own political use, along with the presidential seal for political purposes and in violation of the law so that he could declare himself the law and order president, ignoring, some might say flaunting, the irony and hypocrisy that goes with it. But for those who didn't witness Donald Trump's endless droning 70 minute acceptance speech on Thursday night, don't worry. Now, I don't like playing anything he has to say, frankly, on uh, on these airwaves, but I'm going to play just a bit so that we can all at least get on the same page here for today's discussion, just about three minutes or so, which I think is the crux of his argument for why he should be elected for a second term, his argument, and all of the other Republicans who spoke this week. but. Again, don't worry. I'm also going to share some fact checks after this. In fact, we will spend more time on fact checking than on his speech. So don't worry, because this show will not be used for unchecked propaganda, even from the president of the United States. You're welcome. So first, just a bit of the president's remarks from Thursday night focused on what Donald Trump and the Republicans have decided they want this election to be about.
1: This is the most important election in the history of our country. At no time before, have voters faced a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas? This election will decide whether we save the American dream or whether we allow a socialist agenda to demolish our cherished destiny. It will decide whether we rapidly create millions of high-paying jobs or whether we crush our industries and send millions of these jobs overseas, as has foolishly been done for many decades. Your vote will decide whether we protect law-abiding Americans or whether we give free reign to violent anarchists and agitators and criminals who threaten our citizens, and this election will decide whether we will defend the American way of life or whether we will allow a radical movement to completely dismantle and destroy it. That won't happen. Joe Biden is not a savior of America's soul. He is the destroyer of America's jobs, and if given the chance, he will be the destroyer of american greatness if the left gains power they will demolish the suburbs confiscate your guns and appoint justices who will wipe away your second amendment and other constitutional freedoms biden is a trojan horse for socialism if joe biden doesn't have the strength to stand up to wild-eyed marxists like bernie sanders and his fellow radicals and there are many there are many, many, we see him all the time. It's incredible, actually. Then how is he ever going to stand up for you? He's not. The most dangerous aspect of the Biden platform is the attack on public safety. The Biden-Bernie manifesto calls for abolishing cash bail, immediately releasing 400,000 criminals onto the streets and into your neighborhoods. When asked if he supports cutting police funding, Joe Biden replied, yes, absolutely. Make no mistake, if you give power to Joe Biden, the radical left will defund police departments all across America. They will pass federal legislation to reduce law enforcement nationwide. They will make every city look like Democrat-run Portland, Oregon. No one will be safe in Biden's America. My administration will always stand with the men and women of law enforcement.
2: So, yeah, that was the president at his acceptance speech on Thursday night for a second term of office at the uh, on the White House lawn. It went on and on like that for, like I said, 70 minutes. There was a whole bunch of lies in just those uh, three minutes we played. There were many more throughout the night. Over at MSNBC, Rachel Maddow offered her version of a quick fact check just as soon as the speech ended, even while Trump was... Using the National Mall, again, almost certainly in violation of the law for a fireworks display spelling out Trump 20 at the end of his remarks.
3: I think it might be helpful if I just did like a real, real quick speed read auctioneer fact check. Yes, Just on some of the top lines, so we can clear those out of the way. Um, there are not any approved effective life-saving therapies for coronavirus right now. Uh, there are. There's a lot of hope, but there is no... Um, proven efficacy for convalescent plasma or for any other therapy despite what the president said tonight we also don't have the best testing system in the world we have a disastrously failed testing system we also have bluntly the largest and deadliest coronavirus epidemic in the entire world we have four percent of the world's population and twenty five percent of the world's deaths joe biden does not support abortion at the time of birth the new york police department has not endorsed donald trump's re-election. there have not been three hundred new miles of wall It was Barack Obama who signed the Veterans Choice Act. Our troops are not coming home. There are more U.S. troops overseas now than when he took office. He has not ended any of these wars that he supposedly vowed to end. Joe Biden has not promised to abolish the production of energy in the United States. Joe Biden will not bulldoze the suburbs. This talk about pre-existing conditions in terms of whether or not people can get health care, the Republican Party and the Trump administration explicitly is in court right now fighting to abolish the protections for people with pre-existing conditions that were part of the Affordable Care Act. That's going to be before the Supreme Court exactly one week after the election on November 10th. They are fighting to abolish protections for people with pre-existing conditions.
2: That was Rachel Maddow on MSNBC um, hitting just some of the lies from Donald Trump's 70-minute speech. And one more before we get to my guests here today. Um, As the spread of lies at at Trump's speech were, you know, racing to keep up with the spread of the virus among his supporters in the crowd. Uh, Over on CNN, Daniel Dale, perhaps the nation's preeminent Trump fact checker. And actually, I believe he's Canadian. He used to be with the Toronto Star. He gave his own auctioneer style quick fact check. Of Trump's acceptance speech.
4: Anderson, this president is a serial liar, and he serially lied tonight. I counted preliminarily more than 20 false or misleading claims. I want to go through a whole bunch of them quickly because I think it's all important. Trump said Joe Biden is, quote, talking about taking down the border wall. Biden has specifically, explicitly rejected that idea. He just said he'll stop further additional construction. Trump claimed, as always, that he is the one who passed the Veterans Choice Law. Barack Obama signed that into law in 2014. Trump signed a 2018 law. To modify it. Trump said, I have done more for the African American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln. That is ludicrous. Lyndon Johnson, for one, signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Trump again touted a quote, record 9 million job gain over the past three months. He didn't mention, as usual, that that gain follows a record 22 million job loss. Over the previous two months, he said he'll, quote, continue to lower drug prices. They've increased during his presidency. He said they opened a Jerusalem embassy for less than 500,000. Early documents show it was at least 21 million. He claimed NATO member spending has increased for the first time in about 20 years. Spending, in fact, rose in 2015 and in 2016 before he took office. He said he will always and Republicans will always strongly protect people with pre-existing conditions. That pledge has already been broken. He and they have repeatedly tried to weaken those protections in Obamacare. He claimed again that he banned travel from China and Europe. No, he imposed partial restrictions with many exemptions. Tens of thousands of people continued traveling over. He boasted about the COVID testing system and about his general response. Look, experts near universally say the U.S. was fatally slow in its response, especially slow in setting up adequate testing. He said that he ended what he called a NAFTA nightmare and he signed a brand new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA. That agreement preserves, maintains most of NAFTA. He boasted about building about 300 miles of border wall. What he didn't say is that most of that is a replacement barrier. As of August 7th, according to official data, just five miles had been built or non-existed before. He suggested that Joe Biden would confiscate guns. That's baseless. Biden is running on a non-mandatory buyback of so-called assault weapons. He said Democrats want to defund the police. Biden, again, doesn't, has rejected that. He said he is, quote, very good information that China wants Biden to win because Biden is soft on China or cheerleads for China. The U.S. intelligence community says China wants Biden to win because it sees Trump as unpredictable. He said Biden vowed to close down charter schools. Biden's plan is skeptical on charters, but would not abolish them entirely. He denounced Biden for voting for the Iraq war. Biden did indeed vote for the Iraq war. But what Trump doesn't mention is that he also supported that invasion. He said Democrats twice removed the word God from the Pledge of Allegiance at their convention. Two individual caucus meetings outside the main primetime programming did leave it out, but it was uttered in every primetime Trump denounced so-called cancel culture as like an insidious left-wing thing. He, Donald J. Trump, has tried to get dozens of people and entities canceled, fired, boycotted, including literally last week, Goodyear. He said he imposed an order to give 10 years in prison to rioters. That's a maximum discretionary sentence up to judges in existing laws. His order just asked the government to fully enforce. And he said that Biden's plan would eliminate America's borders. No, just no, it's wrong. Oh, that's it? (laughs) There's more. (laughs) Wow. How much time do you got, Anderson? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, uh,
2: yeah. Uh, But of course,. We all know that Trump is a serial liar. The real question today is not whether Donald Trump told the truth because he never does, but whether his lies were effective enough to hoax the nation once again into giving him a second term in office to allow him to inflict more of them and to break whatever laws there are left to break under the ingenious guise of enforcing the Rule of Law. Joining us now for our RNC Week in Review, or perhaps America Under Siege from Within, is, of course, as usual, our producer, the delightful Desi Doyen. Des, hi.
5: Hello. Do you
2: feel a sense of relief now that these past two weeks of Gabble to Gabble coverage uh, watching because it's your job is now over?
5: <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Well, yes, I'll go with you that. Well, you shouldn't.
2: <laughs> Don't don't start relaxing now. Also, longtime broadcast champion and listener fave Heather Digby Parton of Digby's Hullabaloo and longtime award-winning columnist at Salon.com is here once again for another convention week in review. Heather, did you survive yet another week without the radical socialist leftist mobs burning down your house out there in Santa Monica?
6: So far, so good, but you never know. The day is still young here, so, you know, anything could happen. I know I'm quivering underneath my bed because I'm so afraid. You
2: should be. Stay safe. Keep that gun in your hand, and apparently (laughs) you can point it at anyone you like without a problem, and and you'll be awarded with a a speaking slot on national television.
6: With a a pitcher full of sangria on my porch, by the way. Yes. uh, That
2: goes with it. Enjoy. And of course, from the other coast, I think, uh, uh, Richard, are you in D.C. right now? I am. Okay, is where I live now. Yes, another one of those coastal elites. We're joined once again <laughs> by our longtime uh, friend, freelance political writer, columnist, analyst, reformed former healthcare executive, and host of the weekly radio and TV program, The Zero Hour. Richard R. J. Eskow is back with us today. Uh, how about the mobs on that coast, Richard? Are all the uh, white suburban women uh, still safe out there as we go to air?
7: I saw somebody carrying some granola earlier, and I'm a little worried that, that the attack is on, but so far, so good.
2: That is just a sign for what's to come if Joe Biden's America is allowed to be uh, foisted upon us. Uh, Richard, I, I I may be a little punchy today after these last two weeks. I think we all may need some therapy today, but... Since you weren't with us last week, allow me to start with you uh, and and get your very quick take on last week's Democratic National Convention when things were slightly less uh, anxious-making. What was your takeaway before this week's RNC festivities, sir?
7: Well, I have to admit I was already a little nervous before the RNC madness began because while... There were n- a number of things in the Democratic Convention that I appreciated. I w- did not come away entirely convinced that it was going to reach uh, and motivate a lot of base voters, that it was going to persuade a lot of voters who w- w- you know, weren't sure which way to go, although, I, to be fair, I don't think there are that many of those left, but uh, I was you know, my, I came away from the DNC feeling, oh, I was delighted that Biden did well, mm-hmm. and I thought he did do well, but I came away largely feeling Biden and Harris won't get a bounce out of this, mm. uh, and I don't think they did. Uh, my big worry now, doubling my headache, <laughs> which seems to be primitive these days, is that maybe Trump will. That he might get a
2: a bounce out of this. Well, which
7: right because if if, if we all know how horrible he is in ways too numerous to count, Um, personal corruption, grotesque behavior towards women, uh, racism, uh, you name horrible policies, lying. But if you describe him that way, and then he comes across as even marginally reasonable. And you can get, you know, 13 women to say, which, by the way, is far less than 50% of the speakers at the RNC. But that aside, if you can get a number of women to say, is such a wonderful guy. He, 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 He helps women every way he can. My fear is that the contrast of what we know him to be and what we all report him to be and what he might have seemed to be might have given him something of a boost,
2: which is uh, which which sort of uh, uh, brings me to brings us up to date then to the RNC. Now that it's ended, I've, I I want to hit some sort of general questions about it. You've already touched on some, but after a week of being nervous following the DNC and now after the RNC, Richard, your uh, your, your website, your URL for your podcast is this is the zero hourcom so my question to you is this the zero hour that you were talking about because it's certain oh. certain starting to feel like it frankly
7: yeah I mean you know, multiple zero hours to think about but yes absolutely you know people always say oh this is the most important election of our lifetime but it's possible to say that more than once if they're Getting increasingly important with the passage of time we 're running out of time to uh, to do certain things to, pro- to do more to protect the climate we 've already caused probably irreversible damage, but we're running out of time to stop utter catastrophe and chaos. Wealth inequality is reaching you know near irreversible levels of suppression of our freedoms that Trump, look, you know, Brad, I've been a guy who said, you know, criticized Democrats for elevating George W. Bush, who was a ghastly president, you know, heedlessly killed a million people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But the fact is, another four years of Donald Trump with the judgeships he will fill, with what he might do to our democracy going forward. Militarization, the fascist moves he's had in the Mm -hmm. last few months could be permanent devastation to our democracy, to our planet. So, yeah, I guess I'm convincing myself anyway that yes, this is the zero hour.
2: And with that cheery thought, let me turn to Heather. Um, Heather, (laughs) uh, last week after the DNC, when it was unclear what Republicans were even going to do at all this week, I suggested that the RNC could turn out to be a train wreck. Well, I think I was wrong. It wasn't a train wreck. It was relatively uh, scandal and embarrassment-free for all four nights. Uh, No?
6: Um, Yeah, it wasn't a train wreck. It was even worse. It was boring. (laughs) Um, And, you know, if you look at the TV ratings, which, of course, Donald Trump has (laughs) been anxiously awaiting all Mm -hmm. day, uh it didn't draw a very big audience, and you know all the uh, the audience for both um conventions was down from where it had been in the past mm-hmm. uh for a lot of reasons, not needless to say not you know most of it is because of their weird formats because of the pandemic um But I expected Trump to have good ratings. I thought everybody would tune in regardless of the train wreck, you mm-hmm. know in fact, partially because of the train wreck, you know some of us some of us people you know who are not very nice were, you know, tuning in to see what the you know, to so we could document the atrocities. And as you say, it was not particularly shocking in any way. Although if you were a normal person in a you know, in a in another time, you would look at many of those speeches and be shocked and appalled by what they were saying. I mean Kimberly Guilfoyle, you know, gave Mussolini a run for money yeah, at, that was at the very least. Yeah. Um with that speech that she gave, and there was a lot of that, you know, just really fascistic, you know, chest pounding kind of stuff. But for the Trump, for the Republicans, and not just in the Trump era, but particularly in the Trump era, mm-hmm. and this administration, that was not surprising. What was surprising to me is that they went with this kind of staid, you know, dull sort of format where they just had these people walk out and speak without an audience. And I think personally, I think it was Trump making that decision so that his big rally on the final night would be mm. huge and, it would, you know, oh. the comparison would be just, oh my God, look at the enthusiasm for our guy. Well, that didn't really happen. He, according to the ratings that just came out, he pulled less than Biden. Did he? That's gotta hurt, right? I mean, that's gotta. I hurt know he bad. had. I know
2: he did on the uh, on the first day. I know that no, the first day uh, ratings were lower than the Democrats' first day. But also on uh, uh, his his final day, his speech was lower than than Joe Biden's. Yes.
6: yes. Okay. I think Biden was twenty two point three, and they're saying that Trump's was twenty one point something. And so. I don't.
2: I don't know if that's a, a good or a bad thing necessarily. But uh, setting aside. Well, for the moment, let's set aside Trump's grotesque event at the White House on Thursday night. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, wh- was there anything or anyone, good, bad, twisted, or otherwise, and we'll sort of go around the table here before we have to get to a break, the, the, Any anything or anyone that stood out to you this past week before it falls down the memory hole of whatever nightmares are to come next, uh, which you know, likely before we even get off the air today, from, from the past week? Let's go ahead and start with Heather.
6: Okay, well, I, I mean, I'd have to say someone like Lou Holtz, the uh, mm. former football coach. I mean, his—that was a despicable speech that he gave, and he claimed that Joe Biden wasn't, you know, wasn't a real Catholic, and you know, everything about it, you know, and uh, all these things that, that the the abortion stuff throughout was absolutely horrifically. First of all, it was filled with lies about how the Democrats view this particular issue, and also it was just grotesquely lurid, you know I mean this stuff you know i I know how abortion smells. one of these women said it was just awful, so that part sticks out for me, and then you know, I do have to mention Ivanka um pulling a a Trumpian lie in her speech last night, in which she said that you know her little son had come in and done a lego you know uh version of the White House, and Trump put, put it up on him. put the little boys lego Mm -hmm. you know version up on his bookcase whatever it's complete nonsense i mean i don't know that that didn't happen but we've heard ivanka make the same speech before and she said it about herself And it's taken from (laughs) really yes from the art of the deal. It's in there. Yeah, I mean we're going back to what thirty years now really. Uh, Yeah, so the whole thing it's one of those Trumpian mythic you know BS things. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm sitting there watching her, and when I I was familiar with this because it was written about in Andrea Burstein's book, uh, you know Trump uh, the Trump oligarchy I think, and it's about you know she's the one of the producers of Trump Inc. The WNYC and ProPublica. Uh, podcast, which is terrific, mm-hmm. and it, it, people should actually listen to that if they get a chance, and and read the book, too. And it was in there, and I'm going, wait a minute, I've heard this before, this is crazy. And, of course, so she's just, you know, she's chip off mm-hmm. the old block, and yeah. I just want to put that out there, just because it was a cheap Trumpian moment, again.
2: Uh, again, uh, Richard, anything uh, jump out at you that we should uh, take note of before we quickly forget it?
7: Well, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, Just that he is present (laughs) still in the public eye uh, is an offense. This abusive, insulting of America's cities, which always, of course, is thinly disguised racism among other things, Mm -hmm. and and the kind of hate spieling, the attempt to strong arm the electorate as if they were Ukrainian officials, Uh, and then the uh, I can't let go of the Kimberly foil because remember, that lunatic insanity was pre-taped, mm-hmm. which means somebody looked at that and said, yeah, no, this this works. This uh, yeah. is Good take. It's, right. Yeah, it's not that she just lost it or she hit the podium. This was premeditated insanity, <laughs> and uh, it shows you that this party really is kind of planning to go full Mussolini. Yeah. So... You know, those were my, I guess if you want to call them standout moments in the sense that they'll haunt my dreams for years. Those (laughs) were the standout moments.
2: It it also uh, haunts me because every time I see Kimberly Guilfoyle, I remember that she was married to California Governor Gavin Newsom some years ago, and I cannot Uh, Reconcile that in my brain It doesn't make sense
5: (laughs) It does not compute (laughs) Uh,
2: Des, did you have any uh, thoughts?
5: Uh, Yeah, I mean of course the uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle I think is the one that uh, will stand out the most For being the raging id of the Republican Party Showing what Mm. they really want to be And who they actually are And what they plan going forward Like RJ said But what I found most chilling Actually were both the speeches of Ivanka and Eric Trump Because I feel like they came across As so very reasonable And even in their gaslighting, they sounded so plausible. And I could see how many people would be fooled Mm -hmm. by that, tricked by that. And yet when you actually look at the content of the words, it's actually quite chilling.
2: Speaking of uh, gaslighting and plausible, before we go to a break here, uh, for me, again, uh, setting aside the uh, Trump speech, I thought Vice President Pence's speech from Fort McHenry, again, also most likely unlawful on Wednesday night, was clearly his audition for his 2024 presidential campaign, no matter who wins, I guess, this year. Uh, And frankly, I thought he nailed it. I thought he was presidential. I thought he was even Reagan-esque. Discuss. (laughs) Am am I wrong about that, uh, guys? Well,
7: I just find him to be a deeply disturbing individual.
2: Yes. And I
7: couldn't shake that. Uh, I did think he... It was his audition. I did think that by the context of these Republican, you know, ultra white, uh, you know, uh, conservative people, mm-hmm. uh, men, uh, he did okay. But uh, you know, I I don't even want to think about his <laughs> chances for the future. Uh, he was done. He was finished, as you know, in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, His career was over uh, before he got, uh, before uh, Donald Trump plucked him out of soon-to-be obscurity. So mm-hmm. uh, did he do that? Well, yeah, he's going to be considered a leading contender, I guess.
2: Yeah. Uh, Heather, uh, tell me uh, why I'm terribly wrong about uh, being worried about Michael you're, ter-
6: you're terribly wrong about being worried about my dad. Really? <laughs> and yeah, I okay. mean, I think I, you know, he, you know, he knows how to deliver a speech. He was a talk radio guy, Brad. Yeah, no. I know. You know that. so I do. You know, he's a professional. He's Which crazy. is why
2: I'm, uh, I, I support <laughs> him does. already in 2024. <laughs> of, course. Yeah.
6: of course, as do we all. Yes. Um, no, he he is a professional. He knows how to give a speech like a normal person, instead of like Donald Trump, who sounds like he's. When he's reading from a teleprompter, that he's the guy on the on the train, going, "Okay, you know, Fifth Street, Fifth Street Station, everybody stand on, you know, <laughs> the, the, the doors are opening, you know." Uh-huh. And he's he's a terrible, terrible teleprompter reader, but but you know, Pence is good at this stuff. Yeah. But what I noticed about it was is that he felt the need to go full MAGA in that speech, mm-hmm. and that tells me that they are having to. You know, he's he's made a decision, he's been pretty careful about this. You know, he's been Trump's adoring sycophant this whole time, but he himself hasn't been out there speaking the MAGA talk the way that he did in that speech. I found it a little bit different for him, and I think that that says that they are assuming that Trumpism is going to be in play, and certainly Pence... Cannot escape Trumpism. Are so the job of the Democrats mm-hmm. will have to be to, uh, you know, let's assume that they win. Otherwise, we're all getting on trains and going somewhere. Mm. Um, and, you know, he, 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 the Democrats are going to have to spend a great deal of political capital, time and effort to destroy Trumpism because it won't be destroyed on its own. Because I do think that Pence is going is, you know, he's the vice president. He's the leading guy. Mm-hmm. And here's a question for you, though. Yeah. You know, there's another guy who may be running in 2024 if they lose this time, and that's Donald Trump. So that mm. could be a real interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you think Trump is going to, you know, not not want to do a rematch? Because I think he will. Mm.
2: Well, um, that's a, a good you know, point. It'd be
7: 75, right? Or mm-hmm.
2: 76,
7: 70, I'm not sure. 74 right now.
2: Right. 75? Well,
7: so he's 78, and and which of course is Joe Biden's age but but uh you know maybe i guess but of course the other person to talk about in the context of 2024 on the republican side is tom cotton um uh, mm-hmm. I think he's
5: a leading contender, don't
2: yes. you, Nikki yes. Haley? Uh, well, actually, that's what uh, I was going to say, yeah. Nikki Haley, because as uh, Mike Pence was, uh, you know, giving over to full MAGA, well, I kind of expected that from him. But Nikki Haley, uh, who actually came across like a reasonably sane person for her time uh, in the uh, Trump administration as the UN ambassador, she went full MAGA, uh, making it clear that yeah. She's running in 2024, I think, no matter who is. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. (laughs) I don't blame you for uh, uh, for wanting to do that. Uh, Anything to get 2020 off our minds at this point. But let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk specifically about whether uh, Donald Trump's acceptance speech did what it was supposed to do. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, Heather Digby Parton, Richard Esco, and, of course, Desi Doyne, and myself, Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Planning the of the century. Well, what be? well, we're seeing it play out before our eyes, aren't we? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with our RNC Week in Review with Heather Digby-Parton of Salon and Richard Eskow of This Is the Zero Hour. The Heather. So let's uh, just uh, jump into Donald Trump here as much as we may not like to Um, his acceptance speech. Never mind the lies. uh, We've already covered that, but it's uh, his speech and really the entire week was a week of, you know, trying to terrify Americans about the radical left wing socialists and communist mobs that are burning down cities and coming to destroy your suburbs did the uh did did that speech and that argument essentially do what it was intended to do
6: Well, we don't know yet uh I suppose it's possible, and of course it was given in the context of you know unrest that we're observing on the you know on the news every day mm-hmm. so you know maybe it will. I know there's a lot of nervousness among Democrats that this is going to be a rerun of nineteen sixty eight or something but I'll tell you. There just hasn't been any evidence that that works uh, for Donald Trump, partially because he's the guy in charge. So if there's chaos out there, which he seems to sort of be saying well there 's chaos out there, but if you vote for joe biden there 'll be chaos out there you know it 's a very weird sort of illogical argument, mm-hmm. and for his people, that makes sense I think you know I mean I think they were <laughs> okay, you know they nod their heads at Trump and go that makes sense, but you know for other people there 's got to be some dissonance when when you hear that particular argument. He is the agent of chaos, and in fact, I read something interesting by uh, by Nate Silver of five thirty eight, you mm-hmm. know, the, the numbers guy. Mm-hmm. And he looked at it and he said, you know, the Democrats are being nervous about this, but really they should look at this differently. Back in June, when the, when the polling showed dramatic increase in uh, support for Black Lives Matter and for the protests, um, Donald Trump at that time, as you recall, was gassing protesters and talking about looting and talking about, you know, we have to dominate, dominate, dominate and all that. Well, he shut up for a while after that even to all throughout portland as the polls started to sort of show that the black lives matter support was maybe dropping a little bit and whatever his numbers never improved in that and silver's analysis of this is that whenever trump starts talking about this stuff people go run in the opposite direction that his that it's he is the the mm. sort of fulcrum around which this issue is understood in this period and when he's quiet about it or you know fairly quiet about it isn't running around Mm -hmm. you know gassing protesters and screaming dominate dominate that uh, you know or Mm -hmm. talking about looting and riots that people um sort of tend to sort of go back to a more sort of balanced kind of natural partisan approach but when he starts talking about it it's him It's the fear of Donald Trump that takes over, Mm. and people go the opposite direction. At least that's what the polling has shown so far. I don't know.
2: You also uh, went on to argue in your uh, latest column, you said, with the events in Kenosha in which police shot another black man and then one of Trump's fans shot three protesters, killing two of them, it's not clear to me that Americans will see Joe Biden as the real threat. But, Heather, they don't need to see Joe Biden as a threat as long as they feel threatened and as long as Trump is the only one of the two to promise to save them. You know, in other words, if I turn on the TV and I'm frightened by footage of fires and looting and what looks like riots because, you know, police have paid uh, sprayed uh, tear gas and so forth there is a guy out there who promises to save me from all of that and to keep me safe from all of that, and that guy is Donald Trump. Joe Biden is not making that promise.
6: Donald Trump is the president right now. Why isn't he <laughs> saving them from it? Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point you have to sort of you know, sit, stop and think, and I'm, uh, you know, the Democrats will make this, this point. You know, this is a guy, he is, he is inciting this, and there is plenty of evidence that he is a guy who people are listening to, that kid in Kenosha who was walking around with a gun, those cops in Kenosha, you know, are probably Donald Trump people. I mean, these are people who are listening to him, and they are causing this unrest. And there is a sense that if he's not there, that the unrest will, at, at the very least, we can go to some other form of expression and, and have, you know, a much more peaceful sort of, you know, attempt to reconcile this systemic racism than having, you know, armed 17-year-old kids running around in the streets and shooting people. I mean, I I don't, I just don't buy it that we're Mm. in that situation where everybody's looking for a strong man. And so let's look at the strong man who's in charge right now and isn't doing anything but making it
2: work. I hear you, and I think that makes total sense. But I'm not sure (laughs) if the American people, presented with what they are in our corporate media, actually do make that leap. Uh, Richard, do you want to be the tiebreaker on this one here?
7: Well, I'm going to say that everything Heather says makes complete sense. And if people voted in logical ways, I'd be much more comfortable right now than I am. But uh, a couple of thoughts about it: one is, I think large chunks of the electorate lack object permanence. They just, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they just, it, 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 you know, normally you'd think, why are we even talking about the election? This idiot. Killed 180 thousand people already. Is what? Why is you know why is there even a question about the outcome? Well, because people don't you know they're not really thinking they're this and that. I think that also to a large extent happens with incidents like this. The other factor, like you know the violence at Kenosha, the other factor is remember we're not talking about everyone. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking about turnout. So uh, in an election where in many states it's going to be a challenge to vote, as it is always a challenge to vote Mm -hmm. in many states, if you're black or Hispanic or poor, they're going to make it even harder, and they're going to be planning involved, and maybe if you get a ballot by a certain time, so it's going to take extra motivation to vote. So let's not forget that Trump's base is going to love this stuff. And, uh, you know, if other people aren't grotesquely offended, uh, it, uh, to me, it's not so much that people will be looking for a strong man as just an argument that sounds reasonable. Now, you can say, well, Trump's saying, gosh, if I were president, you know, I would do something about this, which, of course, is laughable. <laughs> right, right. But on the other hand, He's not really saying that. He's saying in the cities where Democrats are in control, there's chaos and violence and bloodshed and good people of all races who start businesses and try to get uh, ahead in life Mm -hmm. are having their businesses in their lives ruined. If you put the Democrats in charge, that's what the whole country will look like. That's what your suburb will look like. That's what your farm town will look like. So, you know, it doesn't have to make total sense for it to make Mm -hmm. enough sense to persuade enough people to make them even more of a threat, given that he and his party, because remember, Republicans always cheat like crazy in mm-hmm. elections mm-hmm. to make you know the cheating will be far worse this year because of covid because trump is the president and uh, i think all these factors coming together have me very concerned about the outcome of this election
2: um Heather, I, I think Richard uh, figured out how to thread the needle and agree with both of us, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> on that.
6: Well, can I just point uh, one, yeah, one other yeah, thing well. out about, about Trump in this, and this is partially what I wrote in, the, in my piece today for Salon. Mm-hmm. is that, you know, look, this is his shtick, right? I mean, he, when he ran for office in 2016, it was ISIS who was in the, the Muslims mm-hmm. who were coming to kill us all in our beds. Mm-hmm ms-13 was you know coming into the suburbs remember he went out to long island and yep. said they came out here and we're stopping it you know yep. the caravan was coming and they were going to invade the border and they even there were even going to be some terrorists in those groups because they were hiding among the caravan this is him and you know there's a cry wolf aspect to this now i grant you we are having this unrest in these cities it's real it's not fake but the you know we had a bunch of terrorist attacks during the 2016 campaign they had and it was happening all over the place in Mm -hmm. france it was the bataclan there was the pulse nightclub there Mm -hmm. was that the one that happened right out here in california Mm -hmm. uh, in san bernardino while trump was running so he has a way of exploiting that stuff but I, I have this sense, and you know, not that I'm not nervous. I mean, I hope I'm not giving the, the impression that I'm sitting here going, hey, everything's going great, everybody relax, because <laughs> I'm not. I also am worried about turnout, and I'm worried about cheating, and I'm worried about everything. But just as far as the potency of this argument, I am not convinced that, that this isn't a, a, you know, we're, we're not at boy-who-cried-wolf
2: level. Well, on Trump. well, I will tell you, uh, and you did, you made an excellent point in that regard. I mean, he's basically, you know, just replaced, uh, you know, radical Black Lives Matter, Antifa, anarchist mobs. Uh, you know, that's the new immigrants or ISIS coming to get you. That's what he does, and he does it well. Right. At the same time, uh, you know, and, o- and only I can save you from it, at the same time, uh, this president actually did help kill a hundred and eighty thousand Americans <laughs> and counting, about a thousand each and every day, and yet. Yeah, you didn't hear the Democrats pounding that case over and over and over again, as they would have had it been uh, the other way around. I mean, you could just look at, you know, that's why Republicans win elections. You can look at the uh, Lincoln Project's videos, how good they are, these former uh, Republicans, or current Republicans, but they're anti-Trump Republicans their uh, videos are fantastic they go to the jugular they go you know they go in for the kill democrats do not do that even an event where you've got hundred and eighty thousand who are dead and you could have the uh the standard bearer for the party out there every day saying i will save you donald trump has killed almost two hundred thousand of you this must stop i wish to the hell they would
7: you know, I I also think that what Democrats don't do, uh, you know, the Lincoln Project ads are great, but they're a negative argument about Trump. They don't run ads saying this is how your life will be better under Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. We'll get this thing, this pandemic. Over with you can go back to something like life as usual. We'll make sure people have jobs. We'll make sure. I mean, they made all these points I- during the convention if you were watching the whole thing, but at, I- in a concise way to think, yeah. these are five things that are going to make it your life better and easier, and your community healthier and and uh, you know better off, and and your country healthier and. But they're not making the affirmative case in the way in the in a punchy way that I wish they would. Yep.
5: I would agree with you on that and also I think we have to talk about the media, the role of the media in this. I mean we know that other authoritarians come to power because they're able to have a willing partner in a compliant mass media and here I mean, we may not have a compliant, we certainly have an acquiescent media. Mm. I saw so many major media personalities saying last night wow I never thought I'd see a political rally on the White House lawn. Huh, and that was it
2: well uh, you know who knows what it is they should actually do but right, no you're but right they should
5: talk about the fact uh, that the, at, there should be something happening here with the media and it is not happening
2: uh as well, ever the problem okay. it, oh, well actually act, no that's okay richard yeah. uh hold the thought because i gotta i do have to get to a break here one more break here and uh one other point that i think uh, that uh, i want to ask you guys about that i think Well, we'll see if it was effective in 2016. We'll see if it's effective in 2020. Stand by uh, Heather Digby-Parton, Richard Esco, Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast RNC Week in Review.
4: Does that make me crazy? Oh. Does that make me crazy?
2: Uh, I think everything makes all of us us crazy crazy. at this point. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. After uh, two long weeks of political conventions and one really, really long week of the Republican National Convention, we're here with our uh, Week in Review wrap-up coverage with Heather Digby-Parton and Richard Eskow. Uh, Richard, uh, Donald Trump leaned heavily on uh, uh, Joe Biden as the destroyer of jobs. He said, Joe, shipped your jobs to China I saved them, I brought them back home. Uh, Setting aside whether he brought them home or didn't, whether he's lying or not, the idea that Joe Biden shipped your jobs overseas through NAFTA, etc., that sort of, uh, that that line of argument worked to uh, a pretty good extent in 2016. Will it work again in 2020, Richard?
7: Well, it's interesting because Biden definitely has a vulnerability there. He voted for a lot of trade deals that have hurt people in the swing states that went surprisingly for trump last time around so potentially it could but interestingly enough i don't think he made that case very well i think he found a vulnerability but he just didn't seem to it he he was in this case so over the top you know i try to watch these things as if i was still in my Rust Belt hometown and I, I just thought you know he overstated it so much i was like i ah, know he's Biden's an okay hmm. guy. I mean, I don't agree with him on everything, but you know, geez, uh, I can't see that Joe Biden shipped millions of jobs overseas. If Trump had expressed it in differently, I think it might have really landed a blow. But my feeling for whatever reason was just his style Trump's style didn't work. He didn't make the case effectively for what's a real vulnerability on, on Biden's part.
2: Uh Heather, uh your thoughts? Uh fool me once, shame on you, whatever that is, will, uh, will that uh, line uh, work against uh, Joe Biden, that he's the guy who actually got rid of all your jobs? Because I kind of do think it's an effective argument, true or not.
1: Well,
6: it is an effective argument about any Democrat that has been around, that was around for the last, you know, 30 years making these arguments about free trade. Uh, and, but I agree with Richard. I didn't think it worked, and I was kind of surprised but I think that that's what comes from letting someone like uh, Stephen Miller write your speech, because he is always over the top. Everything is over the top, and he couldn't, you know, he doesn't have the capacity to write a speech, and God knows Trump doesn't have the capacity to deliver one, that actually makes, a, you know, a sort of, a real case that lays out, you know, evidence and mm-hmm. says, look, you know, listen to, to me. And they could do it, uh, and I don't think Trump's capable of it. I'm not particularly worried about it, particularly since Biden has a sort of reputation as being sort of a working class guy and whatever. You know, I mean, I think there's some sense that maybe he's not as vulnerable to that as an elite. Type, like Hillary
2: Clinton. Do, do you feel that the way, same way about the uh, the, the Biden 1995, uh, 1994 crime bill that led to mass incarceration, which of course, you know, most dem, all, all Democrats at the time, I think, pretty much uh, loved that bill, but you know who really loved it? Republicans. You know, <laughs> they loved being uh, tough on crime, and now they get to pretend that it was a terrible idea that Joe Biden foisted on everyone. Does that line of attack work,
6: no, it's ridiculous. We've got the law and order president. said He wants to put people in jail for 10 years for taking down a Confederate statue. I mean, you know, there's no black person in the country. Well, they were all on stage <laughs> yes, at the convention. Were. Every right. one of them yeah. who yes. might buy that argument yeah. um, are were on stage. But really, I mean, there's just nobody who looks at Donald Trump and goes, you know, this guy, he's really the guy that really cares about African Americans. I mean he stands up there and says ridiculous things like, you know, I've done more you know, but in this paternalistic way too he does it, which is really offensive. I've done more for the black for black people in this country yeah. than any president since Abraham Lincoln. And you just have to roll your eyes at that stupid thing. Well But yeah, of course ahead. he's doing that. He's doing that not to persuade black people
7: of course. but to persuade white people they're not racist for voting for him. And but I, I agree with Heather. I, I don't see how you make the case that, you know, uh, I wouldn't I I'm fighting a carceral state, unlike Joe Biden, while at the same time saying, you know, black peaceful black lives matter protesters are destroying the country and will burn down your suburbs. You can't make both cases, and we know which one he's going to go with.
2: So, All right. Well, I've got to wrap up. If everyone's going to agree with Heather, I just, we got to end this show. <laughs> uh, let me very quickly do a, a, a quick round, an exit question here that we're not even going to have time to get into the details of, but let's get you all on record with a prediction. No, not who is going to win the election. Don't worry about that. But we're going to talk about this, I think, in coming days. Um, We'll start with, let's start with Desi. Uh, Desi Doyen, will there be presidential debates this year? Yes. Richard Eskow, will there be presidential debates this year? Yes. Heather Digby Parton, will there be presidential debates this year?
6: I wish I could say no, but I'm going to say yes
5: yeah
2: (laughs) I wish I wish you you could say no as well that would be nice Uh, we'll see Nancy Pelosi did come out against them today uh, we'll talk about that in the future. As but we far should as, say that yeah. Biden
5: also responded and said, of course he in, is interested in debating Trump. So I think he should hold off and say, I'll debate him when he releases his tax returns, there you go. as some have suggested.
2: Ding, ding, ding. You got it right. All right. We do have to get out. Hey, thank you uh, to all of you. Really appreciate it. Heather Digby Parton. Uh, as always, you can find her work at Salon.com and Digby's blog dot net. You can also find her on the Twitters at Digby56, Richard R.J. Uh You can find him and his uh, podcast, uh, podcast radio and TV program, I should say, at thisisthezerohour.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Uh, and you can find him on the Twitters at R.J. Uh Thanks, guys. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, I suspect we'll be talking to you soon, especially if there is presidential debates in the weeks ahead thanks guys
6: thanks for having me
2: thank you okay we have got to get out my thanks as well to desi and our delightful yep. producer and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us it's always greatly appreciated and i'm sorry about that torture at the top of the show where we played three minutes of donald trump i won't let that happen again <laughs> Maybe Uh, if you missed any portion of today's show or any other download it time for free at bradblog.com drop me email. If you like, I read them all and I respond to many. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am simply the Brad blog. And of course, all of this is made possible. Thanks to those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate, where you can make a one-time donation of any amount you like, or even better, a uh, automated monthly donation of any amount you like. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.